You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Hey, what's up, everybody? On today's episode of the e-commerce marketing show, your favorite podcast about e-commerce marketing, at least I hope so, one day. <laughs> I'm talking to JM Fabrizi, who is currently right now, where are you on the on the side of a road in Southern California? <laughs> I'm sitting behind a coffee shop next to our office, which is located in Salt Lake City, actually. Sorry, I thought you said Southern California, which it doesn't make me feel as bad. I'm sure it's nicer than where I am, which is in a stuffy conference room here in Boston. And JM is the director of brand development at Koala Tree. They're an eco-minded gear and apparel company. JM, thank you for taking the time to do this. And I hope you got a nice little spot that we can hang out and have a conversation for a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And no stress at all on the Southern California makeup. I'm a proud transplant from Southern California. So nothing but good (laughs) things to say about that place. I don't think you can lose in either place. I've been to both and you're lucky. The reason we wanted to talk to hear your story today is because you guys have done something really interesting in that you've been really successful with crowdfunding. You've done eight crowdfunding campaigns to date and raised over $2 million. And so I thought it'd be fun if we kind of unpack that and talked about like, why take that approach? What does it look like? What are the benefits? And just really expand how people might be thinking about growing their business. Absolutely. That sounds great. Just to give you guys a little bit of background on the company, Koala Tree is a sustainable apparel and accessory brand that started in 2010 out on an organic farm in Colorado. The initial vision, so to call it, for the brand was to have a really strong give back initiative tied into the core of what we were doing, as well as make clothing and accessories in the most sustainable way possible, not causing any unnecessary harm to the planet. So from 2010 till about 2015, the brand was in about 200 retail locations in about eight different countries. Since then, in 2016, the brand made a serious pivot to really focus on direct-to-consumer sales and driving sales through the website for a couple of different reasons. Starting at that time is when we really started utilizing crowdfunding campaigns to launch new products. And more than anything, really build this community that has given us support year over year since. Were there like role models for companies in the space? Like, because you kind of made two big shifts. Number one was shifting from retail to direct to consumer. But then number two is not just going direct to consumer, but using crowdfunding to do this. Were there companies in your space that you wanted to basically copy their playbook and learn from? In terms of emulating other companies, actually, I don't think that that was the case. The brand being kind of a, an originator and a, and a pioneer in this whole eco-minded goods space it has always been really well received, whether that be you know in shops or whether you know that was just telling people about it or friends about it or potential customers and so on and so forth. So as opposed to seeing what another brand was doing and really trying to you know copy that, I think we just took the understanding of how well the brand was received and all of the momentum that the brand had behind it and then figured out, okay, well, if it's not through brick and mortar, how can we continue to really tell a compelling story and have our supporters kind of along for the ride as opposed to just learning about the brand through your traditional retail? 
it feels like the brand story is actually a perfect fit for crowdfunding, which is like, hey, we're doing this because we believe in some cause that's bigger than us that goes beyond buying a hoodie or buying a blanket. And so it, it feels like you can tap into something bigger, which is like, hey, do you want to do something that's good for the environment? Do you want to be eco-minded? Are, are you an eco-minded individual yourself? Well, maybe you should consider like helping us fund this campaign. It does feel like it has the perfect hook for a crowdfunding campaign. Absolutely. I think that when you're browsing through things in a store and the brands have really limited space to be able to tell their story. And ultimately, it's kind of up to the representatives that are working in that store to help effectively get the message of the brand across to the consumer. Being able to just go direct to consumer and taking as much real estate as you'd like on your webpage or your Kickstarter or website or whatever it is to really be able to highlight the values that the brand stands behind is really, really beneficial and allows the brand to resonate with people that feel passionately about similar values in a way that you wouldn't be able to in retail. I have something that you guys pulled together about the keys to success with crowdfunding campaigns. And I want to get there in a second, but you also made another important shift. So you went from retail to direct to consumer, then to Kickstarter. You basically did your first seven campaigns on Kickstarter. Now you're moving off of Kickstarter. Before we talk about why you're moving off, What was your experience like with Kickstarter? What are some of the benefits and how did that process work? Just to clarify, we're actually not moving off Kickstarter. Kickstarter is an incredible platform. I've said previously, and we'll continue to bring up throughout the rest of this podcast, it's really allowed us to build this community, right? That not only crosses over from Kickstarter per se to another crowdfunding platform like Indiegogo that we utilize a lot, but then also allows us to help engage those customers on our actual site. The reason why we're doing a crowdfunding project currently for our Evolution Joggers, which is a line, the Evolution line that we came out with last year, is almost in addition to Kickstarter. And what we find that Kickstarter is really, really great for is introducing a new product or a brand new product or a brand new concept more than anything to potential consumers. And since the Evolution Joggers was essentially an extension of the Evolution hoodie line, and we had never launched a crowdfunding project on our actual website before, you know, we really just wanted to give it a shot and see how well the campaign would be received by essentially cutting out the third party of a crowdfunding platform and just trying to communicate the message directly through our different channels of social media, newsletter, and then partners, newsletters, lists, etc., to tell people about the campaign and ultimately to you know drive more people to the website. With that being said, we actually are going to be launching a campaign. Essentially, by the time this podcast is published, it'll already be launched, but that'll be on March 3rd. And so that's going to be a brand new product that we're calling the Switchback Travel Shirt. And we will be launching that through Kickstarter and then transitioning that onto Indiegogo once the 30 days is ended on Kickstarter. Thanks for clarifying that. Since you mentioned it, Take me into like the actual, okay, you're launching this new switchback travel shirt. I want to know like what happens. You guys commit to say like, here's a shirt that we're going to make. Then what happens? Because it seems to be like the method to any great Kickstarter and crowdfunding campaign is like, you need that killer video. You need that killer content. So what happens the day after you decide, here's what we're going to do? I want to go inside like the creative process and how you actually go and execute. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'd say kind of backtracking a little bit, there's a lot of legwork and a large process leading up to when we actually decide, okay, we're going to run this campaign. Let's get down to the nitty gritty of executing on it. So 
for example, the travel shirt, that's been a piece that has been talked about for, I'd say, two plus years now. And it was only towards the end of 2019 that we really decided that we were going to go move forward with the campaign. So in that time, you know, even right now, looking ahead, we have a ton of products that are kind of circulating around in our pipeline. As far as what we want to bring in, we'll work with our factory to call in really, really early production samples. We'll allow our team to test it, give feedback. What do you like about this product? Why do you see it doing well for us and for our particular demographic? And then as we kind of work through those processes and it all checks out, then eventually, excuse me, we get to the point where you're talking about where we decide to really pull the trigger on a campaign. And from that point on, I can kind of get, uh, I guess we'll just dive into this document I've shared with you guys, and I'm sure, sure. you'll include in the show notes sure. or whatnot. Yeah, I love it. There's basically seven key things that we really try to work on for any Kickstarter build. There's many different aspects of people that are on our team or freelancers that we work really closely with to help us you know, meet those goals and objectives for the campaign. I can just go over a brief overview of all of them right now, and then we can kind of dive into the weeds if that's, if that's all right with you. Yeah, I love it. Let's do it. How about this? I'll tee them up for you and you give some commentary on them, and then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Number one is build a brand, not a product. Yeah, exactly. So that's always been really kind of a core tenant of our crowdfunding process is the whole community building aspect. It's just as easy for us, aside from obviously the actual funds that come in, to launch a product through the website, put it out, send out an email newsletter blast saying, you know, hey, we made a new hoodie and this, that, and the other thing. What that whole process is really leaving out is the community aspect and the brand building aspect behind launching through crowdfunding platforms. As we're planning and building out these Kickstarter campaigns and we have everything set up and ready to go, we press the launch button. From that point forward, our number one goal is to keep backers engaged and knowing about what we're doing so that they can be, you know, kind of along from the ride. And then post campaign, what we really like to do is use that community of backers. Now we've done, you know, eight campaigns is to really use that community of backers to lean on for feedback in terms of the product that they got, in terms of other products that they have, in terms of what they're looking for out of new product launches, and really kind of let people be a part of our story. I think that in today's day and age, entrepreneurship in general and building a business and a brand is something that's kind of a a hot and intriguing and really interesting topic that I think a lot of people, whether you consider yourself an entrepreneur or not, are really interested in. And so allowing people to be part of that story and be involved with the process of going through a crowdfunding campaign not only makes them feel appreciated and, and important as a supporter of the brand, but also turns them into an advocate for your brand and what you're going on, you know? And then just going off of that too, building a brand and not a product, you know, I think before you go to launch a Kickstarter or crowdfunding campaign, if it's really a brand that you're trying to build, you need to kind of ask yourself, like, what are the core tenets of the endeavor that I'm trying to start? What are we going to stand behind? What are our values? What are the visions that I have for this brand or this company that I'm trying to launch? And then know that there are going to be people on those crowdfunding platforms that resonate with those core tenants, allow them to be involved in a part of the process and really assimilate with your brand. That's the most powerful part about all this is that today, especially in 2020, like people don't want to be sold to. They don't want to work with brands that they don't know. They don't want to work with big faceless corporations. Like They want to 
spend their money with brands that they feel like they know and they trust. A, they know and they trust, but B, that they actually have a shared set of values and beliefs with. And so I think for you to be able to make this about not the product, but this bigger movement and bigger brand. One of my favorite quotes on brand is from Mark Benioff, who's the CEO of uh, Salesforce. He says, a brand is a company's most important asset because basically he says, if anything that you make is any good, any competitor in your space is going to copy it and try to sell it for cheaper or you know do it their way. But the one thing that you have that can't ever be copied is your brand. And so I think for you, making that the center of everything you do ends up becoming like the defensible thing that you're always going to have, no matter what new product you have, no matter what new product line you're trying to launch. Like Your brand is always going to be the thing that connects your product to your audience in a way that goes beyond of like, yeah, I don't know, this is just some hoodie. I think you're totally right. Hit it right on the head when you were talking about people wanting to support and back a brand. In terms of the crowdfunding, that rings the same. It's like people really want to understand the values that your organization is behind and really support those values. I think that people want to get behind brands and not necessarily campaigns. And I think that the campaigns that tend to do the best on crowdfunding are those that are put forth by brands that people can really easily support and assimilate into, you know, like I said, finding those similar values and points of meaning. I was going to ask you more about your, your background later, but just curious, you worked at Patagonia for a little bit. Did, did that experience shape like how you feel about brand? To be honest, I think, well, yes, absolutely. But more so, you know, I've always been really interested in this kind of combination between environmentalism and business. I personally, when I was going to school, was really conflicted as to whether I wanted to pursue more of a business path or a path in an environmental field. And kind of what I felt was that I personally could do a lot of good through kind of directing my focus and efforts towards being involved with a business that allows and supports people to do good on the environmental front. And so that was kind of my whole schema, even going to work for Patagonia was that, you know, I really wanted to utilize my talents in a way that could help other people and other organizations with support and with advocacy and kind of contribute to that. That seems to be obvious from going to your site and seeing everything that you all do. Like the brand and the story is everything. So number one is build a brand, not a product. Number two is build a team. And you have the definition, one of my favorite, like, you know, you've seen this in inspirational quote everywhere, but team is together, everyone achieves more. So talk about how much of a role the whole team plays in getting a campaign off the ground. Without our team, it would be absolutely impossible to deliver crowdfunding campaigns or just deliver a product in general at the level in which we do it. One really cool thing about going direct to consumer using the crowdfunding model, I think, is that it allows you if you're trying to build this brand, to keep your team a lot more lean than you otherwise would have to if you were trying to chase that kind of retail dragon. And so with that being said, you know, we have a a core team of about 10 people now that work in the office, some part-time, some full-time, that really help with a lot of like the day-to-day nitty-gritty because the crowdfunding side of things is definitely a, a substantial portion of the business. But we have a lot of other stuff going on from private label to like I said, just direct-to-consumer sales through the website. So we have kind of our internal team that constantly is working on the other facets of the business outside of crowdfunding. And then as we prepare for a campaign, we're able to kind of leverage everyone's strengths on our team and really focus their efforts on building out the campaign and making their contributions in the best way possible. With that being said, with Kickstarters, 
it's really, really nice because you can outsource so many of the tasks that otherwise you'd normally have to pull inside if you were to say to go through retail. So just to give you an idea of what that looks like on our end, we work with professionals that specialize in marketing crowdfunding campaigns. Ahead of time, we get pre-production samples in. We utilize third-party press agency to go out and actually pitch to media ahead of the campaign, letting them know this is what we're launching, this is the technology behind it, you know, these are the key features and kind of value adds. We work with a lot of freelance video and content creators, everyone from that to the copywriting, the text graphic animations, and so on and so forth. We're able to rely on, you know, these third-party partners that we've built relationships with now over the course of the seven campaigns and have kind of gotten it dialed in. But point being is that in order to make a crowdfunding campaign as successful as you possibly can, you're not going to be able to do it alone. You know, I think when people see campaigns that have been really successful and see the video that are put together and the landing page and so on and so forth, they think to themselves often like, oh, you know, this isn't that hard. I could probably just go in and write a little copy on the page and throw together a quick video and I'd be off to the races. But realistically, I think if you want to really leverage the platform and have the absolute best success in terms of making your campaign look as good and as compelling as it can, you're going to want to bring in other people with skill sets that contribute to yours, you know, to help fill in the gaps. I have one of your what Kickstarter pages. This is the camper hooded jacket 2.0. Like you go on this page and you're like, oh, this is a pro level brand. Like this is not you taking photos with your iPhone and, and <laughs> shooting a video and turning it into a Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? The funny thing is, is like at this point with where iPhones have gotten to and how good that stuff is, that doesn't mean by any means that if you're looking to launch your first campaign and you have a friend that's really into making video or editing or something like that, that you can't support by literally just going out and collecting content you know, with your iPhone. It's pretty incredible the level at which it's gotten to with the ability to just capture high quality content on, on the device that you carry around every day. A hundred percent. I'm a huge believer in that. And I actually love that because that content feels oftentimes realer. Like that was created by a real person. It can be a little bit more raw. I just meant from like a production level that you're at now, but how much has that changed from where you were with Kickstarter campaign number one? I'm sure you're investing a lot more in the creative now than you did then because you have a little bit more of a playbook. Do you have advice for, if I'm thinking about doing my first crowdfunding campaign, like it can be scary to have to think about to cut an almost six-figure check to a creative team, a design agency and, and doing all that. So my guess is you probably didn't start there. Like, do you have advice for people that are a little bit in the earlier days? Totally. It would be nice if we were able to cut six-figure checks just for <laughs> content creation. But realistically, I think it's kind of all about finding the balance in between really good content and paying too much for something that you could really have leaned on, potentially other resources or people that you have access to or can tap into you know, to help create that. So my first suggestion for anyone that's thinking about starting a crowdfunding campaign and knows the different components of what you need to have a successful one, whether that be product design, whether that be putting together a really compelling video, whether that be getting content that's going to be loaded onto the page with compelling copy or whatever story you're trying to tell, I really would just suggest look in the mirror and figure out what talents do you have what are you bad at? What are you mediocre at? And then figure out 
people within your community or as a friend of a friend or whatever it is that you can kind of tap into that have talents that complement yours, but are different than that which you possess. That would be my first. And then once you are able to tap in and, and kind of find those people, make sure that each one of those team members knows exactly what their job is and kind of have them understand whether this be a product designer or whether this be the person making the video or the person that's working on the page, have them understand the product and why your brand is building this product. I think that the more invested those people are in the actual project itself, and again, the brand, that the better your campaign is going to come out. This is the opportunity. People want to hear your story. They don't just want to know that you're making hoodies and jackets. They want to know who are you? Why are you at this company? Why are you part of this mission? They want to see the whole process. Absolutely. And then again, you know, like we were talking about how it's cool from a consumer view, looking in, being involved with a crowdfunding campaign and learning the happenings of kind of what's going on within the brand. I think that that message also rings true for the people that are actually hands-on, on the ground, building out the campaign as well, you know, because it's really exciting thing to be involved with the new product launch. Especially if you're one of the handful or dozen people that's, you know, really like putting as much effort as you can into, you know, seeing this thing be as successful as possible. And then the last thing I'd probably just say on that is because everyone knows their jobs and has the deadlines for when they need to be done with certain things or when pages need to be built out or when reviews are, so on and so forth. As you grow that web of starts with you, then it becomes you and a buddy, then it becomes you and and five other people working on the campaign. Utilize everyone's brain to get feedback on how the campaign is actually looking. How is the video looking? How is the page looking? What does the build out look like? What would they suggest? Tell them to put on their customer hat and go in there and really just pick it apart. And whether that be in 2016, when Koala Tree was kind of doing some of its more early crowdfunding campaigns, or whether that be now, it's the exact same formula that we follow. I mean, as the video is getting made, those people in our office are literally going in and watching the first 10 to 30 seconds of the video and then going, okay, how does this look? Okay, we're going to have, you know, we have some gaps where we need to put content in here. Okay, how does this, you know, next 30 seconds look? And so having everyone be able to collectively utilize their brains to, I think, review the work that's done by each of the specialists in each department, so to speak, that you're able to seek out is also extremely beneficial. Because when I look at a campaign, I'm going to be looking for something completely different than when, you know, say, our customer service director is looking at that, or our creative director is looking at that, or, you know, these different things. So use the collective team thoughts and feedback and so on and so forth, but then also have each person that's involved with the campaign really know, okay, this is what I'm responsible for. This is what I need to take care of. And this is what it needs to be done by. I want to skip over a couple of these because we'll link to them. So people that are interested in getting the whole kind of playbook, we'll put a link to them in the show notes. But I want to hit on something that you, you mentioned. You talk about the importance of fulfilling on time. However, through crowdfunding, it's usually going to take months in order to actually get the product in the hands of the people who backed it. So I'm just curious from a marketing perspective, how do you keep the momentum going? If I'm one of your backers and I'm not going to get to touch this hoodie or this jacket for five months, how do you keep me excited? Because I think this is actually really interesting for a lot of e-commerce brands. Five months is a, is a longer time, but even if it takes five days to order something on your Shopify site and, and send it home, 
it feels like that time period is a huge opportunity to continue to market to people. But I'm just curious about what you guys do over that time. And the guy that, that you're referring to, you know, I think this actually kind of speaks to the sixth key, which is update. Backers really enjoy the feeling of knowing what's going on with the products that they've just backed as well as what's going on with the product that they backed four months ago. I think it comes down to communication being absolutely king and really reminding yourself that you know your backers are just as involved in this process of bringing this product to market as you are. And they're your group of core consumers, even outside of the crowdfunding campaign, that you want to be talking with as much as you possibly can. So updates. Updates are a great way to stay in contact with your backers. If people aren't familiar with that, basically, it's similar to a newsletter that can be done on a campaign basis where you're going in, writing an update on... It can be in terms of production. It can be in terms of sizing, whatever it may be. It's information that you're providing to your backers on a consistent basis that then they can also go in and comment on, send you questions about within the platform or, of course, via email. Just keeping in contact with them while production is happening, you know, going dark on backers for four months while the production is going on is going to leave them feeling really uneasy. And I think kind of diminish some of that involvement with bringing the project to life. On the other hand, if you are going over to check on production and have some other samples that came in that you can share with them or photos or whatever it is, allow them to be involved in that story because they're expecting that it's going to take five months. I mean, it's no surprise. It says right there when you back the campaign, this will be delivered on in such and such month or it will start shipping in such and such month. So they're already expecting that. But if you can you know, continue to kind of tell this compelling story throughout that whole time in between them pledging and you fulfilling, that's really, really beneficial in terms of keeping them engaged. And then finally, I just say, make sure that you're always under-promising and over-delivering. So, you know, if you think that your campaign with how production's looking, you'll be able to ship in March, say on the campaign when, you know, that's facing towards the backers or towards, you know, the people that you're trying to back the campaign that you will be fulfilling in April. That way, when, if everything goes according to plan and a backer receives their product a month, for three weeks or two weeks before they were even expecting it to start shipping out, they're going to be really, really excited. B, if things don't go according to plan, you have some sort of a contingency so that you're not letting people down at the end of the campaign, which is the last thing you want to be doing right before you place one of your products in their hands for the very first time. It sounds like an important thing, which is like, look, people that are going to back you on any crowdfunding site, they're not expecting to get this tomorrow. And so the best thing you can do is actually set realistic expectations and give yourself some upside. Because I'm sure if I think that I'm going to get this jacket in April and all of a sudden it shows up in March, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to take a picture and tweet about it and post it on Instagram and tell all my friends. And like, you're able to get another like pop of buzz about your brand because you, you were able to basically surprise and delight someone simply by just setting realistic expectations. I totally agree. We got to wrap up in, in a little bit. So I want to transition from, we'll link to your seven keys, but I want to talk a little bit about your evolution and getting into e-commerce and, and working in a marketing type of role at a direct-to-consumer brand. What's that experience been like? I think that I kind of spoke to it a little bit earlier in terms of where the passion for kind of this industry and the mix of business and the whole sustainability side of things kind of came from for me. And I've always really strived to 
try and work with brands and people in general that kind of share a similar passion and, and similar values. And I think that that's the main reason why I did start off at Patagonia and then transition to Koala Tree, which on a base level has really similar interests in terms of sustainability and environmentalism and so on and so forth. One thing that I have been able to do in this role and with a, a company that goes direct to consumer as opposed to a big organization that's already really, really well established is be able to wear a lot of hats and every single day learn something that I didn't, whether that be on a marketing front, whether that be on a sales front, whether that be on the creative side, or whether that even be just overhearing you know, our product designer go back and forth with the factory and the questions that they ask and uh, this, that, and the other thing. Going back to the podcast and how it's evolved around this crowdfunding thing, and that can easily translate into an e-commerce-based business that's then going direct to consumer as it had with the crowdfunding campaign. I think that what it allows you to do is be involved in roles outside of that which you would typically find in a bigger retail, really well-established, this is how it works. We've been doing this same process of selling to our consumer for 100 years. I think it allows you to see a lot of different sides of a company that you necessarily wouldn't because going direct to consumer, if we look at the big scheme of consumer buying, is a very, very new thing. And so there's always new stuff coming up that you're getting to learn about and that you have access to or that you can tap into if you have interest in it that you wouldn't otherwise. In terms of like a brand perspective, it really just goes back to the whole community building aspect. When you go direct to consumer, your conversation that you have with the person that's buying your product looks a lot different than the conversations that brands that are in traditional retail are able to have with those consumers. And so I think that that's also a really special key to this structure of business is that you have full control over how your brand is perceived and what your brand looks like from a consumer-facing standpoint. Especially if you have a mission like you guys do, it's so important to be able to control all aspects of the brand. So Jam, this was awesome. I got schooled in the world of Kickstarter and crowdfunding. And selfishly, I'm just excited to continue to watch what you all are doing. Before we wrap up, maybe plug Koala Tree and what you guys are working on and where you want people to go to find out more. Thank you so much for the time too. I really appreciate it. You can check us out on our website. It's C-O-A-L-A-T-R-E-E.com, koalatree.com. We actually just launched a new jogger campaign that's made out of the softest fabric you've ever felt that incorporates recycled plastic bottles and coffee grounds, which is, like I said, live on our website now. You can confirm it's the softest fabric I've ever felt, for sure. I'd be willing to send you a sample and <laughs> eat it if, if you didn't agree. <laughs> that would be good promo for um, us. We should just do that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We have another campaign coming out on crowdfunding that I'd highly encourage you to check out and back, which is the travel shirt that's going to be dropping on March 3rd. And then finally, if you're just interested in the brand or would like to learn more, follow us on Instagram or any social media. We're at Koala Tree and always feel free to send customer service at koalatree.com an email with any questions or even just to say hi. I'd love to hear from you guys. Any feedback would be great on what we're doing and Finally, just thank you to uh, everyone who's listening to this that has backed a campaign or made a purchase on our website in the past. We really, really appreciate it and couldn't do any of this without your support. So thanks. Thank you for taking the time. I hope you have an awesome rest of the day in Salt Lake City. 
Hey, if you've been listening to the e-commerce marketing show, you've been enjoying it. If you learned at least one new thing from JM today, it would make my day, make my week. If you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show, just because it helps other people find the show. And the more people that find the show, the bigger that we can grow this whole e-commerce marketing thing and continue to educate small and growing brands about really how to figure out e-commerce marketing for their business. So JM, I will talk to you soon. Thanks again for doing this. We're wrapping up this episode of the e-commerce marketing show. See ya.